uh, just a little bit, but uh, we're, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about this idea of taking up your cross. And one of the things I wanted to make sure you understood, it's not a burden thing, it's a worth it thing. It is worth taking up your cross. It is like what Christ did for us. You're like, this is worth doing. This is worth taking up the cross and living for God because of what he has done for us. And Jesus asked that question early on or made the statement. He said, what did Jesus mean when he said, take up your cross and follow me? And I I wrote down a definition I gave you and I'm going to add a layer to it this week. And what he means is this. We die to self-determination. That means that I'm just going to simply try hard to be like Jesus. To running, and this is the continuation, to running our lives and surrender using Jesus for our agenda. That means that whatever's happening in your life, it's no longer about you. It's what Christ is doing through you and around you. Okay? And so what he is saying is that when you take up your cross, that means you're taking up Jesus and that you're going to live the way that he is. You're going to live the values and the way that he instructs. And so he's talking about that. The second part that I wanted to add is this. Taking up your cross is living our lives in an awareness of who Christ is and what he's done for us. This idea that there's this awareness that what he is doing in your life and that what we celebrated a few weeks ago is still worth celebrating today. It is. It's worth celebrating today and tomorrow and the next day and so forth. That how we live our lives is an awareness that, okay, I don't get everything right, but man, when God's at work in your life, it's like, wow, wow. And so let's do a little rewind because cross-bearing has layers to it, okay? So back on Easter, we talked, we, we asked the most important question because to get this question right will determine whether you're actually going to live for Jesus. And it was this. He said this, Jesus asked the question, uh, Mark 28, or Mark 8, 28, and he said this, who do you say I am? Okay, because that's going to determine if you're going to take up your cross. Who do you say I am? He looks at Peter and his disciples and says, who do you say I am? Because that's really important. Because if you don't get that right, you're not likely to take up your cross. You might take up a version of it. You might take up a morphed thing. The religious leaders of Jesus' day would have taken up a variation of that, not the authentic one. They had kind of morphed it and molded it to their liking and to something that they could do. And so last week we add another layer and it was this. This is out of Luke 14, 27. And Jesus said this, it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He doesn't say your family's cross or the church you grew up in. He says your own cross. It's, he's, he's emphasizing the idea it's personal. That your relationship with Christ is personal. That you can't take it based on your parents, based on your upbringing. That your relationship with Christ is personal for a reason. And he says that you need to take up your cross. That means you need to take up a relationship with me and take it wherever you go and wherever you are. And the reason we do this, and this was a thing from last week, was this. The idea of when Jesus told his, the people who were listening, they said, you need to count the cost. You need to say, is this worth doing? And I love this because this kind of was an aha moment for me, is when you count the cost, you will discover, and hear me, it's worth it. It's worth it. 
It's worth it because of what he did for us. He demonstrated on the cross that I am providing for you what you can't do for yourself. And what the, the model he's giving is, is this is worth it because if he was willing to do that for me, I should be willing to do that for him. And so you get this, this idea that he's like, who, who do you say I am? Are you going to take up your cross? And then you're going to say, I am going to take up my cross because it's worth it. This is awesome. This is awesome. How many of you have ever had that thing that you said, I'm going to take up this cause or I'm going to be a part of something like this because it's worth it. it, it you just, maybe you played on a sports team or you, play, you, were, you were part of an organization. You said, this is worth it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a part of it. And Christ is saying, count the cost because it's worth it. Be a part of it. How many of you have ever been a, a, a witness in a court proceeding of some kind? Okay, a chunk of you. And reason that they may have asked you is because you were what they would call an eyewitness. That you saw something that you could give pertinent information to that maybe no one else could do. And so what, what, what Jesus is telling his disciples, he's about to send them out and go. And so they are witnesses to a lot of things that Jesus has been doing, okay? And so I love this because we use this idea of witness on our, our Wednesday night. We're about to finish up on Romans. And it's this idea, this direct knowledge about who Jesus is and how he began a redemptive work in our lives. See, an eyewitness, when it comes to your faith, can tell others about what you've experienced personally. You may not agree with me. You may not like it. Well, I don't know if that really happened. Let me just tell you what. You can stand with confidence and say, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. This is what Christ is doing in my life. And so you can become an eyewitness to that account. Many of you, I was watching Keith, raised your hands. I thought about the number of people in here who are, who are bearing their cross for Christ. And, and here's the thing, you're probably not even thinking about it from day to day. You probably didn't think about it when you went to the DRC. I'm bearing my cross for Christ today as I walked in. When, when I'm going to the middle school. No, it depends on the conversations you're having, the way you're conducting your life, the things that you're running, that's running through your heart, the things you choose to say, the things you choose not to say. All those things have a bearing on us. And so if you got your Bibles, you can get there. We're in Mark chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 10. He gathers his disciples. He has spent some time with them. And he's about to send them out. And there's some great things in here about taking up your cross. And he says this. He says, he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them, oh, I love this word. Uh, that word authority is a powerful word. I don't want you to miss that. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. The names of the apostles he sent forth with a, with a commission on these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Aphelius and Thaddeus, and Simon the, the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. He sends them out in, in groups. He doesn't send them all out in twelves. He sends them out in, almost literally in pairs and says, go, you've got authority to, to go do this. And I love this. If you're just kind of following along, taking notes, a disciple finds their authority by submitting to Jesus. 
See, this is really amazing because he says, You're, I'll give you the authority. They don't have it. They don't get it. They don't have the power to do anything apart from Christ. He says, I'll give you the authority to go do this. And when we submit ourselves and we take up our cross, the power that we get isn't coming from me. It's coming from what Christ is doing. The power of the cross. And I, I, I caught this, and this was, a, I, I was thinking about it this morning, and, it, and God just kind of reminded me of this idea of authority. I want you to think, go back and look at what it says, authority over. The over is a really important word. It doesn't say, I, I can give, I can give Brad authority, but he's like, well, over what? What do I get? Well, look at what he says specifically. He says, I give you authority over, that means, that means they have to submit. They have to, they have to step, they have to fall in under line. I give you authority over spirits. I means I, you can tell a spirit to leave that person alone and they have to. Think about that for just a second. Jesus cast out demons on several occasions in the Gospels. And now the disciples have been watching this from a distance going, man, that's some authority. That's some power. And then he says, I'm going to give that to you. You're going to have that same ability because I'm giving it to you. It's not something you have. It's something I'm giving you. And then in addition to that, he says, I'm also going to give you the ability to walk up to somebody like Jared and say, I know you've got an affliction. I'm going to heal you. Because God has given me the authority to do that. And that affliction has to leave. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that those disciples went out a little bit more confident based on that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because they know that if they were given that authority from Christ, and they've seen it, they've seen the test drive, they've seen that it works, because they've seen Christ do it. They've seen him go, you need to leave. You're healed. And both of them happen. But it comes because Christ has given them the authority. They didn't have it. They didn't earn it. He says, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give this to you. And he says, it kind of drops down because he, he, he gives them some instructions. And then down in verse 16, it says this, behold, I am sending you out as sheep. And if you look up the word this idea, the context and what he's saying there is unmixed purity and intention. That as sheep, not, don't, don't take, because sometimes sheep get this bad rap that they're, they're, they're not very smart, they do dumb things, and that there's a kernel of truth there. But in this context, what he is saying is be pure. Be pure in how you deal with people. Be pure in, in how you walk with people, even if they don't agree with you. Be pure. In the midst of wolves, he's, 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 he is telling them what they are about to encounter. Be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. He says, you're about to enter into people that are going to be, they, they wanna, they, they, they're not going to like everything you're going to bring. They're going to be a little freaked out when you cast out a demon or when you heal or when you proclaim the power of the cross. There's going to be some people that aren't going to be all that thrilled with that idea. Verse 17, be aware, he's, he is, it isn't interesting that he isn't really painting a great picture here about being a disciple and about being a cross bearer. He, is he painting a good picture? Not really. 
Not really. He, 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 the only thing he said that's really good is you get authority over certain things. But he says, and by the way, you're going to be dealing with wolves and serpents. And you need to be aware. Be aware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you. The word flog is it's this whipping. And it's not a good whipping. Flog you in their synagogues. And let me just tell you, when they, whenever they wanted to whip somebody for the, the cause of Christ, they wanted it to be very public because they wanted to humiliate them. They wanted it to be a deterrent. They wanted others to see that and go, whoa, I better back off my relationship with Jesus. I better dial it back just a little bit. I don't want to get, I meant somebody, I don't want that. And he says, be aware. He says, you will be dragged in front of governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And then they will deliver you over. He goes, they're going to deliver you over. He says, and look at what he says. He says, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what to say for where you are to, st- where you are to st- say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not what you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will, uh, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father to his children and the children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated whew, by all of, for my namesake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. He's painting a pretty grim picture that there will be family members who will, who, will, who will bump against each other because of Jesus. A number of years ago when I was working on staff for Super Summer stuff, we had a, a, a college girl who was in love with Jesus and she applied for Super Summer to work at camp. And um, I remember talking to her and she said, her parents weren't believers. And she said, if I take this position this summer, my parents will cut off my tuition and will no longer pay for my tuition. And because they didn't agree with what she was doing. They think she should go and do something else and not this. But God had convicted her so strongly that she needed to be working at camp that she swallowed and took a big gulp and said, I'm going to apply. And her parents, this isn't, the, this isn't the rosy story that you'd like it to be. The parents said, okay, you can get a job when you get back and pay for the rest of your tuition because we're not paying. And she did because she took a job because at the end of the day, she decided that honoring God, now she didn't do this in a respect, disrespectful manner to her parents. She hurt her parents. And we, we, the whole time she was at Super Summer, one of the things we kept doing for her is when she went home is to honor her parents, but also to honor God in the way that she treated her parents. Because that was important. And she did. She, she took her cross and it was costly. And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. It's costly. It's going to cost you something, but it's worth it. And there are going to be people that aren't going to agree with you. There are going to be people that you're going to bump into. There are going to be people that are going to say, I don't know. And her parents, I I mean, we prayed for her and walked with her. And and man, she was, she was, she was like, college is going to take me a lot longer now. She was on the four-year plan. And I think it ended up taking her seven or eight years. Because then she had to pay for the rest of it. And I love this because look at, at the end of verse 22. And he says, and you will be hated by all for my sake. And it's interesting that, that Jesus uses all. That he's not, that's not an overstatement. There are a lot of people that they don't, they're, you're going to be disliked 
for following Jesus. But, uh, but then look at what he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Crossbearing takes us out of our comfort zone when we learn to depend on his authority. See, when he takes, when he says, because he tells his disciples all this before they adios, and he says, you need to understand that my authority will get you through it. My power will get you through the people who, the, the people that you grew up with in your hometown that say, get away from me. Get away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. You're that person, that, you're that weirdo. You're, you're following that guy, the guy that went to the cross. He says, you're going to get those people that you thought were with you. That won't be. They won't be. They won't be. So verse 23 says this. And look at what he says. It doesn't say, the, verse, the first word, it says, when they persecute. It doesn't say if. It says, when they persecute you, in, your own, in one town, flee. And he says, flee, go move to the next. He, he's talking about using some wisdom, having some, some knowledge to go, having some insight, some discernment to say, oh, okay, if, if, if this town isn't going to welcome me, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to move on to the next. Here's the cool part. If once somebody else says no here, then the gospel can advance to the next town. The gospel can advance to the next town. Jesus experienced, think about this, Jesus experienced everything he was telling his disciples. Am I right? Everything. And it was magnified. He says, he says, he says, let's go back there. He says, when they persecute you in your one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have to go through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. He's talking about... There's a lot going on here. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? He's saying that's another term for Satan. It's a type of worship. He says, if they say that about you, about me, they're going to say that about you. That's basically what he's telling his disciples. Now, in that moment, it would be so easy for the disciples to say, take up my cross. Um, you know, God, I'm going to just leave it right here for now because no one else is going to receive this message. No one else is going to take it. There's a lot of other people that aren't. So God, if, if you don't mind... I'm just going to leave it here right now and I'll kind of assess and see how receptive everybody is and if everybody likes me and everybody likes my story then I'll bring out the cross then I'll bring it out and I'll be I'll be strong for it. Let me just tell you what this is easy today for all of us. Am I right? This is probably the easiest day for this by and large. Taking up your cross gets more difficult as soon as we leave here. Okay? If you go to a restaurant, at the stoplight, at home, where our true colors are often revealed, that taking up your cross at middle school, at high school, at college, at work, with your neighbors, with those extended family. How many of you got extended family that man... Taking up your cross with them is really hard. Number of you. Man, taking up your cross with a, a family member who has no interest in spiritual things. 
And it's sometimes just easier to just go, ah, this isn't, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put that away. They're not interested. Let me tell you what, taking up your cross and hear me on this has, it has, it cannot be about what anybody else does or responds to. It's about you. It's about you personally saying, I'm going to take my cross out regardless of how they receive it, even if they don't like it, even if they give me that roll of the eyes, like, here we go again. And so he tells his disciples, I'm painting this picture because this is what's going to happen. And he says, don't be afraid. I'll, I'll give you the right words. I'll give you everything. This goes back to the very beginning where he says, in all authority. Okay? With all authority. With all authority. And then, and then he, he kind of builds on it. Look at what Jesus says. His, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father? Basically, the Father has, he, he has dominion. He knows what he's doing. He's aware. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Jesus knows how many hairs we have on our head. That means he knows us. He is, he, he knows. Verse 31, fear not therefore you, and look at this, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He says that for you to take up your cross is important. You are highly prized by God. His son would not have gone to the cross if we weren't. And so he is saying to take up your cross because you are valued. You are cherished. You are a prized possession of his. And then verse 32. And then he says, he says all of this to get to verse 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This idea of acknowledge is huge. This is a layer for us. Who do you say I am? Take up your cross. Take up your cross is worth it. Now, if you take up your cross, at some point, you got to acknowledge. You can't, you can't say, I go to this church. I, you can't say that... Um, my parents did this, or you can't say I own a Bible. You, those are all worthy things, but at the end of the day, they want to see, does your faith hit the pavement? Does it actually work? Does it, is this person going to stand for what they believe, even if others don't? And see, you, we don't, to take up our, let me just help you out here. If we take this cross, and we put it in this bag, and we don't break it out again until next week, we are making the mockery of the cross. We are making a mockery of what Christ has done for us. We are saying that that isn't as important. And what Jesus is saying is take it out of your bag and live it out. Live it out. Live it out before everybody. That means you've got to acknowledge it. And if you're taking notes, a disciple confesses Jesus publicly. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples. A disciple tells others who I am. I'm not talking about standing on a street corner and holding up a sign that says, Jesus saves. I'm talking about living your faith out day to day, week to week, month to month, hour to hour, whatever it is, saying, I'm going to live for Christ, even if others don't respond accordingly, even if others say, I'm not interested. A disciple confesses Jesus publicly, and the idea of the word confess is this. Confess means to affirm, agree, 
and identify with. That you actually identify that, yes, Christ is my Savior, Christ is my Lord, and, I, and I, I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to live for those things. I'm going to live the biblical values that Jesus was about. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to deny myself of things, not because I'm trying to, trying to be some super disciplined person, but because these are the things that God has said I need to stay away from because they're going to hinder my ability to bear my cross effectively. And so he says, you better, when, when your faith hits the road, will you acknowledge me? Will you actually say that I'm a follower of Christ? And let me just help you out here. There's a big difference between saying that and I'm a Christian. A lot of people say I'm a Christian, and that typically just wants you to get them off their case, so you'll just leave them alone. But to, to acknowledge yourself as a follower of Christ means that there's some depth to it. There is some, uh, let me tell you about this following Christ business. This is serious business that we get to do. I mean, it's that when we, uh, when we say we acknowledge this, this is serious business. Keith Miller said this, he says, I've never ceased to be amazed that we Christians have developed a kind of selective vision which allows us to be deeply and sincerely involved in worship and church activities and yet almost totally pagan in day in and day out guts of our busy lives and never realize it. And what he is saying there is that we take up the cross, we break it out on Sunday, we break it out on some church events, and then we put it away for the rest of the week. And then to our astonishment, somebody might go, you go to church? Let me just help you out. If somebody gives you that eyebrow that you go to church, you need to do some evaluation. If a coworker goes, you go to church? And that's a question like, really? <laughs> Have you ever had that person? And you, and, and you find out later, they go, you go to church? There's a guy that I work out at the DRC, and he, he wears a shirt. It's a, it's a shirt um, uh, that I've seen before. And it says, uh, one of our, our camp pastors this summer will sell it. And it says, Jesus, Jesus saves, bro. And it's just a cute little thing, but it's a cute thing. He wears that shirt, and, I, and, and so immediately I, I make contact. I'm like, hey, tell me about your shirt, blah, blah, blah. And oh, it's kind of cool. Tell me, you know, what's, tell me about this. Um, and the next day, He's wearing his tequila shirt. I'm a little bit like, not that you wear a tequila shirt, but, but can you see the mixed message a little bit? A little bit? And I'm just like, okay, it's, let me just help you out. It's one or the other. Okay? It's one or the other. And I, I think when you're, you, when you're taking up your cross, let me help you out. We don't get to pick if you're either all in with Christ and you take up that cross and you go with him, we don't get to go, well, today I'm going to be the Jesus person. I'm going to wear my stuff. I'm going to live. But if I'm with these people, I might change my vocabulary a little bit. I may not say as much. I might condone some things that I never condoned before. And let me just help you out. This doesn't stop just because you graduate from high school. Because some of you could be in work situations where things are being said or done and you know they're not biblically sound and yet you either agree with them because of your silence or you agree with them because you actually say things to affirm them. And Jesus says, take up your cross means there's a distinction for us. 
And when you break out the cross, see the first time you tell somebody you're a follower of Christ, let me just help you out. Spotlights are on and they don't turn off. They don't turn off. They don't. And so he is very clear. He says, verse 34, he says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've come to bring, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. And you know what he meant by this? It's this. Jesus was showing us that his presence, hear me on this, it demands a pres- It demands a decision. He was saying that there was going to be conflict with family and friends and co-workers and that because of me and because of walking with me, you're going to have to make a decision. And it was going to be a tough decision, but you're going to have to make a decision. So let's finish it out. Verse 35. It says, For I have come to set man against his, his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against their mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. He talks about how personal it will be to take up your cross. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. What he is saying there is not that you can't love those kids, people. It's that, that to take up your cross is serious business. Going back to last week, he used the word hate. That was metaphorically what he was trying to do. He was saying to say, to walk with me and to carry your cross is serious. It's hard work. It takes discipline. It takes, man, I've got to be prepared to be all in on this. Verse 8, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. For whoever loses his life, whoever, lo- whoever will lose his life, and whoever loses his life for me will find it. He says, you can lose your life for a lot of things, but if it's not for me, you lose in the end. Because you can find it in jobs and popularity and money and acquisitions and titles and all that kind of stuff. And those are all, here's the funny thing, those things aren't all bad things. But if we lose them for the sake of the cross, we've lost. A couple quick things and we'll close her down. Cross-bearing means that Christ has unqualified supremacy over our life. And that unqualified means that, that we don't get to write any kind of addendums like, God, you get this area of my life, but not my middle school day at school. God, you get this day of my life, but not at work. God, you get this part of my life, but not when I'm with my family. God, you get this time, but not while I'm on the internet. God, you get this time, but not while I'm doing my hobbies. God, you get this time. Do you see my point? God, when, when we're talking about taking up your cross, it means that God gets un... He, he, his access is... He gets it all. He gets it all. The last thing is this. To follow Christ is a moment-by-moment decision requiring denial of self. And take a breath because there's going to be days you're going to do that really well and there's going to be days you don't. Because I'm the same way. Because sometimes you're going to take up your cross and you're going to do the right things and you won't even think that you're taking up your cross. You're just living for God. But taking up your cross is a moment-by-moment day in and day out thing. And, and it might be the conversations that you have that you bite your tongue about. It might be the things you say, I need to say this. I need to speak this truth in love. And so I ask you this morning, what keeps you from cross-bearing? What keeps you from taking up your cross? Think about that. What, well, Danny, I, none of my family lives for God. Everybody at work doesn't care about the things of God. My co-workers, my neighbors, the people in, the, the, in my class in middle school or high school or in college those people, they're not interested in the things of God. Jesus said, you're responsible, and I've I've told a lot of people this, that you're responsible for you when it comes to your relationship with God. 
not the results of anybody else. Because at the end of the day, what he is going to say to you is not how many people came to faith in Christ. He's going to say, how did you live your faith for me? How did you live your faith for me? How did you take up your cross? If anybody came to faith in Christ because of you, to God be the glory. But your job is to live your faith out, take a gulp, and say, today, I'm going to live my faith out for Christ because of what he did for me. It's worth it. And when you choose to do that, and you, you get up tomorrow, and you, you know, I, I told my girl this, and I tell you this, that when we don't get it right today, tomorrow's a new day. You get up and you start again. And there's some truth in that, that Christ says, okay, today you didn't, but the next moment there is. For us to take up our cross is to say it's worth it. For us to acknowledge Christ is to say that I'm serious about my relationship with you. And I want you to see it. And when you live for God, there are people around you that are going to take notice. And they're going to say, if they can, I can. I know they're in a situation and they're in a difficult environment. And they're living their life for Christ publicly. Not in some arrogant, self-righteous way, but they're, they're, they've decided to be light. They've decided to be light. I remember my wife used to work for Eddie Bauer, and she tells a story off and on. But um, I think it was a Christmas party you guys went to, right, babe? And they went to this party, and most of the people that she worked with weren't believers, and some were maybe marginal and they went to a kind of a sports bar place, kind of like an Applebee's kind of thing. And Beth went and everybody there was partaking of beverages except for her. And she was having conversations with people. And I think to their astonishment, she was not casting judgment on the things that they were doing. She just was being present. And one of the gals came up to her just like, Almost all Christians I meet are throwing rocks at me for the things that I do or don't do. But I promise you that my wife would not have had that opportunity. She chose to be in a place that she doesn't typically go because she could be light in that moment to a bunch of employees that needed light. And see, when you take up your cross, it isn't always in the most... Let me remind you this. Taking up your cross is the easiest it is right today. It's, it's, it's the same thing when you do your marriage vows. That's the easiest day. Am I right? That's the easiest day. Sundays is the same thing. Today is the easiest day to take up your cross. It gets a whole lot more difficult as soon as we leave here. But people like the people that Beth worked with need us take up our cross. They need to see what Jesus looks like. They need to see what somebody says, this is what Jesus looks like. Jesus says no to some things. And Jesus says, I'm going to step back. And Jesus says, I'm going to be light to you. And that's hard sometimes. I'm going to remind you that Jesus, when you want to bear your cross, it's not going to be in the places that are comfortable and convenient for you because that's dependent on you. He's going to ask you to be light and and, and Bear the cross in places that are uncomfortable to you. Because then you will rely on His authority, His power, and not on your own. I promise you. Let's pray.
Father, the most important thing that I'll do as I leave here is to acknowledge you in my speech, in my behavior, in my thought life, in every part of who I am. And I pray for all of us in this room, God, that we would recognize that taking up our cross isn't just taking up a lot of religious words or a lot of expensive jewelry that identifies that we wear a cross around our neck or on our bumper stickers or have a family Bible sitting out on the coffee table at home. And none of those things are bad. But at the end of the day, what you called us to was real faith that is demonstrated, lived out in conversations with people, honoring you with the sacrifice that your son made for us and saying, I'm going to take up my cross because it's worth it. And I'm going to acknowledge Christ. I'm going to identify myself with him. And even when the kitchen heat gets turned up and everybody else is against me, I'm going to honor you. Because you've given us the model. Your son demonstrated what it looks like to take up the cross. And even, even if it were to take us to our death, it'd be worth it. And I pray for some in this room, God, that taking up their cross, they've left it in the bag. And it's now Sunday and it's easy to pull out. And they're hoping to put it away, put it, put it, put it up in the closet, leave it in the trunk, leave it in the back seat of the car until the next week. But that's not what you've called us to. And I pray, God, over the next few moments that I pray for a sense of brokenness for all of us. That awareness to take up our cross is serious business. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not on our doing. It's a surrendering of our wills so that we can harness the power of your son in our lives and live according because we can't do it on our own. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the power of the cross. I thank you that when we step into a relationship with you, all authority is given by you to us. Help us to live according to that, God. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I ask you to stand. This often isn't all